InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. A recent study by a criminal justice expert shows that even when a young person is arrested as a minor, their mothers never lose hope that the child will grow to be an upstanding member of society. Here with the story, InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. A new study shows mothers do not give up hoping and dreaming of their son's achievement in life, even after the children break the law again and again. What does this mean, and could this have an effect on steering children to the right path in life? Joining us now is Kate Cavanaugh, Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice at Michigan State University, which published their study in the Journal of Research on Adolescence. Professor, tell us what sorts of hopes and dreams the mothers had for their sons when you began that study. Mothers had very high expectations and aspirations for their sons, just like any parent does. So some of the items that we asked about had to do with some of the regular markers of a successful transition from adolescence to adulthood. So things like having a good career, having a good relationship with one's family, educational markers such as graduating from high school or getting a higher education, making a good living or staying out of trouble with the law. And you said these were strong hopes and dreams. Can you characterize them beyond that? Would you say they were kind of the norm for any parent? Well, the way that we asked the question to the parents who were involved in the study was we asked, how important is it to you that your son accomplish X, Y, Z? And the answer choices ranged from not at all important, a little bit important, don't really care either way, kind of important, very important. And 100% of the mothers, every single one of the 317 individuals that we interviewed said that the goals were very important. We didn't have anyone who felt that those goals were anything less than extremely important. And although the children had broken the law, and some more than once, even though those moms held on to the dreams for their sons, they were somewhat realistic too, were they not? Yes, that's true. So we asked the same questions in two different ways. So first we asked, how important is it to you that your son accomplish XYZ? And then we asked, how likely do you think it is that your son will accomplish that exact same thing? So how important is it to you that your son graduates from high school? And then how likely is it that your son graduates from high school? And what we found was that across the study, across a two and a half year study, 100% of moms said that all of the goals were very important. However, those moms who had kids who had been rearrested many, many times started to say, you know, I don't think that's realistic. It's still very important to me, but I don't really think he's going to be able to do that anymore. But did you get insights on why the mothers did not give up their hopes and dreams for their sons? Yes. Parents still love their children, even if they've done something bad, even if they've done multiple things that are bad. And I think that that's a really hopeful note for practitioners who work with families. So for probation officers or for court officers who work with juvenile offenders and their parents. It's important to keep in mind that even if parents in the moment are really angry, like your child just got arrested, you might be really frustrated with them or angry or upset or worried for them. But that doesn't change the long-term goals and hopes and plans that you have for that child. You still love the child, even if in that moment you're very angry about what's going on. You mentioned there were more than 300 youngsters and their parents or their mothers involved in the study. From what parts of the country were they? This is a three-site study. It comes from a bigger study called the Crossroads Study. And we collected data in Southern California, in New Orleans, and in Philadelphia. 
And you followed these first-time offenders for 36 months, and as you've already mentioned, some broke the law again. What kind of offenses were they involved in? Were they serious? To begin with, we looked at first-time offending youth. And so because this was youth's first offense, most of these were kind of low to moderate charges. It might be things like vandalism, assault, possession of drugs, etc. So a lot of the kids did not reoffend at all. Some of them reoffended kind of at that same medium to low level, so some similar types of offenses. And a very, very small group of kids became involved in more serious types of criminal activity. But from what we know about adolescent offending, it's not typical that most juvenile offenders become adult criminals. So most juvenile offending is limited to the period of adolescence. And although kids might engage in some sorts of minor or mid-level crimes during adolescence, most of them grow out of it. However, there are a group of kids who become what we would consider those adult, more serious chronic offenders. And were all the kids from low-income backgrounds, middle-class, wealthy families, or a mix? The way that we selected the three study sites was to ensure that we had a lot of variability, both by race and ethnicity and also by socioeconomic status. So we had a very, very broad range of juvenile offenders. Some came from extreme poverty, some came from middle class backgrounds, and some came from very wealthy families. And what was interesting was that the um, aspirations of the mothers were actually higher among some of the lower SES families. So what that suggests is that these low SES families really see these goals and hopes and dreams for their children as almost like a way to maybe better their lives in the future beyond the circumstances that they were born into. However, for the study in general, we did, we had a good demographic split. We're visiting with Kate Cavanaugh, Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice at Michigan State University, on a study showing moms retain their hopes for their son's achievement even after the kids break the law. Now, Professor, your research differs from other research on how parents can influence their children. That's true. Most of the time, studies that look at parents of juvenile offenders are looking at how did the family context lead the child into breaking the law? And I'm more interested in looking at it from the opposite perspective. So what strengths do families bring that we can leverage so that children stop breaking the law? Or what does it mean for the family dynamic after a child has already broken the law? And those are some of the practical results that might come from your study's findings. How else might your study's results be used in a practical way? First, it's important to keep in mind that parents still have these strong aspirations. In my work with various court officers, sometimes court officers get frustrated when they feel as though parents aren't working with them in the way that they'd like to see. They see that parents are angry or worried or frustrated. And so what this study suggests is that that anger or worry or frustration is fleeting. And really, at the core of it, parents are still hopeful and still want what's best for their kids. And so that provides an opportunity for practitioners and parents to work together long term. Usually a child's term of probation is about six months. And so practitioners are going to be working with these family over the course of several months. And so when practitioners know that they have parents who ultimately do want what's best for their child, that makes that relationship easier, which means that practitioners are better able to leverage the strengths that exist in the family in order to help you succeed on probation. And I'm wondering, Professor, if you would agree that a child who's broken the law could get on the right path and requires some positive reinforcement to do so, if we assume that as a premise, could your study results be useful in forming or justifying a program to teach parents how to steer their kids away from crime? After all, it seems like these moms with dreams would be receptive. Yep, that's a great point. There are many great existing programs that try to do exactly that. 
oftentimes even the terms of a child's probation includes some sort of group family therapy work so that parents can get skills that they need that they might not have or might not understand how to get in order to help them better support their children. And we know from other areas of research, so for example, in the field of education, when parents have high aspirations for their children's educational attainment, those kids are more likely to achieve better in school. And so we can borrow from that model in the case of juvenile offending to say, okay, if parents have high aspirations for their children's success, we can teach parents how to leverage that into making those successes a reality. And finally, although you studied boys and mothers, could your results be applicable to parents of girls who break the law too? The reason this particular study was only looking at boys was because males and females are very different both in the types of crimes that they commit and also the sorts of relationships that they have within the home. But certainly we would expect similar results when looking at female offenders as we found with male offenders. Kate Cavanaugh, Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice at Michigan State University, thank you for joining us. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.